0: Hello, I'm Dwayne McCrary. I'm the team leader for Adult Explore the Bible, and today I'm joined by David Briscoe. David's one of the content editors for the Adult Explore the Bible team. David, thank you for joining us today again.
1: I'm glad to be here.
0: Um, This final session, session 13, we're going to look at Deuteronomy 32, verses 48 through 52, and verses uh, chapter 34, 4 through 7. Um, It's really about Moses facing his death, things that he's going to help us understand and comprehend uh, when we face death, the hope that's involved in that. Uh, In chapter 32, verses 48 through 52, we find that God directed Moses to climb Mount Nebo to view the promised land. God also told Moses that once he saw the land from the mountain, he would then die. God explained that Moses' disobedience disqualified him from setting foot in the promised land. Uh, that disobedience took place in Numbers 20. The rec- record of that is found in Numbers 20, where Moses struck the rock instead of speaking to the rock for water to be produced. Our death always reminds us of our sin. In chapter 34, verse 4, God meets Moses on Mount Nebo Declaring that the land Moses saw would be the land promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God's grace is found in this passage in the presence of God. Um, God's allowing Moses to view the promised land was an act of grace, and he commends Moses as opposed to making a statement about Moses' failure. In 5 through 7 of chapter 34, Moses then dies at the age of 120 and is buried by God in an unknown location. God had sustained Moses throughout his life, granting him health and strength until the time of his home going. Uh, David, let's begin by looking at Mount Nebo here. Can you give us some perspective on the view from Mount Nebo? (laughs) Well, let, let me,
1: first of all, point us just to the Scripture itself. Uh, Deuteronomy 34, 1 to 3 gives, in words, gives you a description that I think is is a good starting place. Uh, and so it, it reads that Moses went up from the plains of Moab, which kind of, if you'll, this is another good place for you to have a map in front of you. Uh, and so he went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo to the top of Pisgah. And so some scholars think that Pisgah was one of the peaks that were a part of this mountainous area. Uh, and it faces Jericho, which means that you could see Jericho from uh, this. It was across the uh is this Jordan close where
0: Balaam was brought as well? Yes, it was, okay. the,
1: that area. Uh, and so the Lord showed him, Moses, all the land, Gilead as far as Dan. Dan was the northernmost tribe, uh, in the, uh, on the western area, uh, west of the Jordan River. All of Naphtali, that's also in the north, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, you're getting closer down uh, toward Jerusalem. Uh, as far as the Mediterranean Sea, so you're, you're looking all the way across uh, from the Jordan River area to where the Mediterranean Sea coast is. The Negev, which was kind of in the south, Around the south of Judah in the land of Judah, and in the plain in the valley of Jericho, the city of palms, as far as Zoar, uh, which is around the Dead Sea. Uh, so that gives you some. Uh, you could
0: see it all. You,
1: you could see it all, uh, and that that was the point. Now, uh, could, could he really see it all? Well, uh, fortunately today, you know, you can go to this place where. Uh, where people think that Moses was positioned in order to see that uh, it is an, a tourist area, and and so uh, someone in your group might have uh, might have made a trip there, and so it'd be a good resource there to ask that person. Well, what what did it look like? What could you see? Uh, There's a next best option as well, uh, especially with today's internet. You can uh, just go into your search engine and and type uh, Mount Nebo, and one of the uh, things that will bring up to you, one of the pages, uh, will be where uh, some tourists have gone. They have videoed uh, the view, and so you can, for yourself, with your own eyes, at least through the video, you can see this view uh, that... Uh, Moses saw, and so um, what? What he was able to view, uh, and my guess is that uh, Moses had a clear day uh, to view this, and so he could see uh, at least as far over as Jerusalem, which would have been in a in a higher mountainous area. Mount Nebo itself uh, is twenty three hundred uh, feet above sea level. Uh, the shore of the Dead Sea, which would be right in front of that person, uh, was 1,300 feet below sea
0: level. So there, there's nothing keeping your view away. <laughs> no, there,
1: there isn't. So you're really you're really talking about uh, imagine being up on a ladder, you know, nearly a half mile high to be able to see the panorama and the vista that lay out uh, before uh, Moses there, uh, and so he um and, and remember as well that the bible tells us in deuteronomy 34 that moses eyesight had not dimmed a bit he could see and he could see well even though he was uh older at this time
0: that is an important little side note it, it tidbit is. that's shared there his eyes were still good well that that's important at that, this point
1: exactly and so uh but but the main point of it was that god allowed uh, he was not going to Moses was not going to be allowed to go into the the promised land proper west of the Jordan River but uh, God uh, said come on up on the mountain where you will be able to at least view what it is that I am giving to uh, the people of Israel
0: I mentioned earlier that, that we see God's grace God's mercy here what are how is the character of God seen in this passage, David? Uh, what attributes do we see at work here?
1: Well, you know, in our day of marketing, their brand is who you say you are, and <laughs> reputation is who others say you are. The character is who you really are. Uh, that's because character is evidence in your actions, character comes through. In how you live and what you do, so God shows His character, His His true nature, by what He does. So let me let me call attention to a couple of passages here. In, in Deuteronomy 32 verse 49, uh, He's talking. God is talking to Moses, and the Lord says uh, that I brought you up here to view the land of Canaan. I am giving the Israelites as a possession. And then in Deuteronomy 34 verse 4. Uh, The Lord says, this is the land I promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to your descendants. So here here are two characteristics of God that come through in terms of what God is doing. He's a giving God, meaning He's gracious. He gives. Uh, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son and he is faithful when he makes a promise. He tells the truth and he keeps those promises. So in what he was doing, giving the land to the Israelites, and keeping that promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God showed his character as being one of graciousness, faithfulness. In Deuteronomy 32, 51, He's talking about why Moses would not be able to enter the land. Uh, He writes, For both of you broke, meaning uh, Moses and Aaron, for both of you broke faith with me by failing to treat me as holy, as unique, as the only God. And then in Deuteronomy 34, 4, uh, the Lord says to Moses, I have let you see it, meaning the land, you will not cross into it. So in these passages, by what he is doing, God shows that he's holy and he holds people accountable for their disobedience and rebellion. So the character of God comes out in this passage as graciousness, faithfulness, holiness, and uh, holding, holding his people accountable so he is just and righteous.
0: One of the summary statements for this lesson, is that God's grace is found in His presence. Help us think through that statement a little bit. God's grace is found in His presence.
1: Well, the the quote reminds me of an encounter that Moses had earlier uh, with God, and you'll you'll remember it in Exodus 33 verses 12 through 23. He had gone on the onto the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments. Meanwhile. Aaron led the people below and they made a golden calf, an idol, and began to worship that idol. And so uh, God sent Moses back down the mountain and uh, he he called for accountability and punishment of the people. And at, at, at one point, except for Moses' intercession with the Lord, the Lord was ready to destroy the people and to start over with Moses. Well, Moses uh, pleaded with the Lord and then when the Lord agreed that he would, uh, he would carry the people uh, at least through the wilderness but that generation of people would not enter the land, the next generation would. uh, Then the Lord, uh, Moses, (coughs) Moses made a request of the Lord. He said, Lord, if your presence does not go with us, with the Israelites, if your presence does not go, don't make us go up from here. In other words, it was words, all
0: about the presence. Absolutely,
1: Moses was saying, "We we we're nothing. We can't make it. Uh, there's no reason for us to leave here if you're not willing to go with us." And that's the moment in which the Lord then passed in front of Moses and proclaimed this, The Lord is a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love and truth, maintaining faithful love to a thousand generations, forgiving iniquity, rebellion, and sin, but He will not leave the guilty unpunished. We were talking about character earlier, that same character being shown in this passage there. And so there at that point, Moses felt the presence of God, uh, experienced the presence of God, and begged that as the people moved forward toward, through the wilderness toward the promised land that God would make His presence stay with them. Well, here we come to his dying days, Moses' dying days, and here was the Lord right there with him again. His presence was right there. It had been with him all along, uh, in fact, we find in Deuteronomy thirty-four, six that the Lord personally took care of Moses' burial from, from the start to the very finish, the time when uh, Moses died, the Lord's presence was with him and with his people.
0: Thinking about that, you know, Moses is still as strong as he had ever been, it appears. He still was capable of living past 120 um, how do we balance this idea of the sanctity of, our, of life and the promises of heaven, uh, the promises of God's presence for eternity? David, let me ask you this question. How is death an act of God's mercy?
1: Well, that is an interesting question, isn't it? And, and that's because, you know, first of all, we need to acknowledge that Scripture from start to finish presents death as the enemy of life uh it, it, it begins in the beginning. Genesis 2:16 and 17, God told Adam not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and then he said, "For on the day you eat from it, you will certainly die." And so death was a consequence of disobeying God from the very beginning. Uh, and, and Paul in his letter to the Romans, Romans 6:23, says, "The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then later in in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where Paul was talking about the resurrection of Christ and and the resurrection of believers uh, because of Christ's resurrection, uh, he said very pointedly, the last enemy to be abolished is death. So... Let, let's mark that down, first of all. That scripture from start to finish presents death as enemy of life. But let's, let's go back a moment to that scene in the Garden of Eden. In Genesis 3.24, uh, we're told that the Lord drove the man, Adam and Eve, out of the garden, stationed the cherubim to guard the way to the tree of life. Now, that, that tree of life kind of disappears from the scene in scripture until Revelation 22 2. And guess what? That tree of life is in heaven where death is no longer found. And so uh, the idea then that for the believer, because of the resurrection, God's power to bring life out of death, uh, you get a different perspective on death. It's still the enemy. And yet Christ has overcome it. Christ has taken the sting out of death. There's a passage in the personal study guide that I think says it well. It's talking about Moses uh, just before uh, the scripture says that he died. And it's just sort of thinking about, reflecting on that, that scene. Uh, and so the writer says, imagine the pain Moses would have felt remaining outside the land while the people ventured inside or the pain the people would have endured by leaving Moses behind. And so the writer goes on to say the most merciful thing God could do was to take Moses home with him at the end of a long and fruitful life. And so for Moses and for every believer, death has become not some kind of less than alternative, it is the door to the very best God offers, because it means living eternally with Him. And that's what Paul was saying uh, when when he wrote that, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. uh, Because uh, for me in this life to, to live, it is with the presence of Christ uh, in, in His Spirit, and yet, if I die physically, it means I'm going to be ushered in to His very presence uh, for eternal life.
0: So in a way, uh, Moses does get to go to the promised land, it's just a different promised land. It's the eternal promised yeah. land. That's Any right? other insights you would share about uh, this closing, stud- closing session of our study of Deuteronomy?
1: Well, I just say that it gets kept off uh, by Uh, by this final scene in Deuteronomy 34, that the entire study both of Numbers and Deuteronomy have have been leading to this point. And so it's an end for one of God's uh, premier leaders, uh, Moses, and yet it's really the beginning as well uh, because Numbers and uh, Deuteronomy lead us right into uh, the time when the children of Israel under Joshua's leadership Uh, enter the promised land, experience the promised land, and what it means to live for God uh, in that place.
0: So during these three months, we began at Mount Sinai, standing there and moving forward. They've journeyed. They've had 40 years of time in the wilderness. All kinds of experiences have happened. And now they're standing at the entrance of the promised land. They've gone from being a group to now being a nation about to possess their land. Thank you for joining us during this, this quarter of study during these three months as we've studied Numbers and Deuteronomy. Next week, we'll begin a study of the book of Romans. Hope you'll join us as we take a look at truths from Paul's letter.